I'm so excited about today's show. And I'm excited mainly for my guest. I'll be really honest with you. I think he is the coolest human being in customer experience by far. Maybe one of the cooler human beings on the planet, but that's for you to determine. But I'm also excited. The secondary reason I'm excited is I got my bus driver hat. And since we're on the CX bus, I'm going to put my bus driver hat on to do the show today. Those of you who are listening to the podcast, this is probably totally wasted uh, you know, experience. But in any regard, I welcome to the show today, James Dodkins. James, we like we we're trying to communicate over the sea, and we had like technical difficulties, which caused us to go a bit slow. But we're gonna we'll make up for it with quality. How are you? Good. I'm doing good, mate. How are you? I am fabulous. I am fabulous. I uh, let's. You're the CX rock star. Do you want to give some background on how you go from being a performing musician to a customer experience expert? Yeah, sure. So, um, so I used to be an actual real life legitimate award winning rock star, but now I'm not. Now I'm a customer experience rock star. I am the customer experience evangelist at Pegasystems, which is a software company. But don't worry, I'm not going to talk to you about software. Um, my journey happened. So I played guitar in a heavy metal band, I toured the world, released albums, was on TV, had, I was in magazines. And when that stopped... I took the next logical step after being an international rock god and um, joined an insurance company. So Logical transition. Hey, James, i got to interrupt you. I'm sorry, I have to interrupt you because I actually got some video of you playing music. Let's see if this is it. Okay, maybe that wasn't you. Maybe this is you. All right, but well found. <laughs> one of those, one of those was you. <laughs> it was the first one. Yeah, right. Sure. I had to go long and hard to find something so schmaltzy that you would cringe when I popped it up. I liked um, it. I all right. It so great. you you were like thrashing and throwing your body into contortions, and now you're trying to help people deliver better experiences. It's a lot yeah. of whoa, and the, through the insurance company route is is sweet. Real. Well, that was, that was the start of my corporate career, and I went through the corporate landscape as you do. And uh, the thing is, I'd created this corporate persona for myself because I thought that was the way you had to be in the. They <laughs> about music career because they would have all. The assumption was that there would have been preconceived notions about me and what I'd done, and they would have all been correct. So I didn't want people to have them. So um, I struck out on my own after a while, started doing consultancy and training, and I was still being this corporate bod with suit and tie, briefcase. The problem was I was miserable because I was spending so much of my time in any given day trying not to be me. And there was a conversion of lots of things that happened, but in the end, as you know, the customer experience space was getting so saturated. I was like, you know what? What can I do that's going to make me stand out a little bit? What What can I do that's going to make me a little bit more memorable? And it's, it occurred to me that, and it actually, it was a quote from Jerry Garcia from The Grateful Dead that made everything dawn on me. And it's, don't try and be the best in the world at what you do. Be the only person in the world that does what you do. And I was like, you know what? I've got this really cool music career that I never tell anyone about because I was I was almost embarrassed by it in a way. Um and then I've got this love of customer experience that's organically grown over the years. Why not put it together and talk to the world about customer experience through the lens of music? And it turns out, actually, customer experience 
they're kind of the same thing. Um, and that's where I got my love of customer experience. I didn't realize it at the time, but for me, putting on a show for your fans night after night is exactly the same as building experiences for customers day after day. So that's, that's sort of a whistle-stop tour of how I went from real-life, actual, legitimate, award-winning rock star to customer experience rock star. So I, I got to tell you, I, uh, I've yet to see you present, but I see these things like this, which I believe is you presenting on customer experience. I mean, this may or may not be true, but if that is the pyrotechnic show you have, please stop because the rest of us will never be able to get through a, a gig now with that set of expectations. But, but it, what is cool about it is, is it seems like you have gone in and said, yeah, let's use who I am and what I know from all of my life journeys and be able to bring it to the stage and, and take on some concepts that might be pretty mundane to address and really, you know, thrash them, heavy metal them up a bit, if you will. Um, and, and it's also turned into a series of books that you put together. And I want to make sure we get all that background behind us so we can talk about some of your cool ideas. Sure. But um, yeah, tell me how you went from, you know, first off, I guess I should validate that that truly is uh, the way you, you present at times. Um, there isn't always flames. It's, yeah. just, it's just cooler when there is. Yeah, you don't always have flames, but the, when no, the flames no. are there, yeah. It wouldn't really be fair if I had flames at every talk, would it? Yeah, well, thank God, you know, just <laughs> save them for the special <laughs> moments, yeah. Uh, but but how do you how did you get into writing books then in the context of all of that? Look, in all honesty, look, my books aren't particularly good. They're nowhere near as good as yours. Um, essentially, I, I wrote books because I had to. Being in this space, if you've got ideas, you've got to get them down on paper and publish them to I don't know you just have to so it's, it's, it's probably not the inspirational answer that you want but I've probably written more books than I've read so it's <laughs> <laughs> well you read your own so I think you well, let's hope oh yeah actually yeah that's a good point well, maybe you good... put that in there you won't say that exactly but but I popped up a second ago foundations I'm going to pop up you know customer second I'm going to pop up customer carols I'm going to pop the customer carol I'm going to pop up 136 ideas the quote book all on the screen here as you're talking so don't completely demolish the idea that these books are unworthy they're incredible what i love about you is where maybe somebody like me gets a little wonky and uh, in our kind of voice you're just so refreshingly straightforward as you are in this interview but as you are in your writing style as well so you Thank didn't, you, you didn't go into some kind of strange land of writing style so uh, but but the fact of the matter is these books are a little different not in, in terms of some of the themes you take on too so maybe you can talk a little bit about foundations and then customer second and customer care all of them really quickly yeah so i mean foundations i wrote that while I, before i was doing the rockstar thing and it's it's not particularly cohesive it's more just a stream of ideas um and the main theme of the book is trying to look at the way that we organize as a business. And the traditional way we organize as a business is in a pyramid. And that mindset is very old. It's an industrial age mindset. It came from the industrial age. It was all about control. It was all about the division of labor. It was, it was a very process-centric way of um, organizing. And I put forward a new way, theoretical new way of organizing ourselves, more like a soccer team, actually. So it's not really very rock starry. Um, or, well, I mean, the real term is a football team, but I understand the Americans. But the, the idea is 
How can you call yourself a customer-centric company when the customer's not even on the map? This idea of um, moving from an organogram, which is the pyramid, to an organosphere, which is concentric circles, actually has the customer in the middle. And then you start to understand that there's only really two roles in the business. There's the people that serve the customer and there's the people that support the people that serve the customer. And it's organizing by experience rather than by skill set, because that's what we do. We put people together together. with by skill set rather than put people together based on their ability to deliver customer success so that was that's that book um put your customer second isn't finished (laughs) Um, i started writing it ages ago and then got sidetracked so but again the idea of that was trying to research companies that have put their customers first by putting their customers second and putting their employees well, what first. What the heck do you have a book on your website that's not finished? You, you know, like, I'm, 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 I'm very confident. About it. it says I'm, coming soon afterwards. Under, coming under soon. the thing, it says coming I'm soon. I'm coming soon. I uh, was so excited that I love the topic because I think there's a huge raging debate out there that's totally, you know, chicken egg stuff that's absurd yeah. about what is more important, the customer first or the customer second. Uh, I think right now with the pandemic, we've seen a real shift toward employee engagement, right? Like uh-huh. <laughs> we can't find anybody to put the customer first. So we better put the uh, employee first to, to get them in front of the customer. So, yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, but all right. So I will, I'll pass on pitching a book that you've yet to release. <laughs> no, it's on the way. It'll be grand for 2022. All right, let me uh, let me put you back on full screen so you can talk about a customer carol. Um, and then I I think that's finished. 136 ideas. I think there's only 135 of them that's actually done. Uh, and then the quote book. We're gonna get out through all those three really quick. So customer carol. It was, I wrote and published that book in two days. So you know when I said these aren't very good. I wasn't lying to you. I wasn't being like fake humble. I'm just being honest. Um, what it was, me and a friend were having a conversation. Uh, a Christmas Carol was on the TV, Charles Dickens, Scrooge. And I said, ha, 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 wouldn't it be funny if there was a version of that story, but instead of the guy hating Christmas, he hated his customers. And my friend said, well, you write books. You should do it. And I went, okay, then. So Saturday morning, sat down, wrote it, published it on Amazon Sunday night. By Monday morning, it was available to buy. It was essentially the story is already there. I just had to change the word Christmas to customer a lot there were some other changes too so that's but um that's that's a fun one it's a fun little christmas i think that's an incredible story a that you have that ability to go from idea to action to production when so many people have a book inside of them that they've been wanting to write Kind of like maybe. I know, and then I come along and do one in two days. <laughs> exactly. You're really, you're really upsetting someone, probably, but you're inspiring others. And then, if you could only take a lesson from yourself on customer second, okay, one thirty six ideas. Uh, so, please tell me three days at least, please. No, it's um, it took it took a little longer. Um, but again, it's so it's one hundred and thirty six ideas for rockstar employee engagement, and that's literally what the book is. Each page, there's like one hundred and thirty six pages, maybe like maybe a couple more because there's an intro and an outro. But each page is an idea. There's a fun little drawing on there. And it's just an idea that you can pick up and open and go, ah, I might do that today. Um, The reason why there's 136 ideas is because essentially that's when I got bored. Because originally I was going to do 99. Then I had more than 99. So I was like, okay, let's go to 199. And then at 136, I was like, yeah, that'll do. So that's... (laughs) The true confessions of the... Overachiever, underachiever, all in one fell swoop. You overachieve your 99 and then ah, 
Why do I need 199? All right, to, I'll do the quote book really quickly. I won't even pop it on the screen right now. Uh, tell me, this is a, a book of quotes about customer experience that you've compiled. Yeah, there are 65 of them, I think. Yes. Um, yes. So that was, again, that, when I was at like 200 with that, I was like, oh, God, I wish I hadn't have said I was going to do 365. But essentially, I was looking for a quote book on customer experience. There was a quote book on customer service, but of course, as we know, that's not really the same thing. Um, so there wasn't one, and I was like, oh, somebody should really compile a book of 365 of the best customer experience quotes. So like, who do I know that can do something like that? And I was like... Oh, me, I guess. <laughs> it's bad when the mirror tells you the answer, yes. Hey, yeah, so, so I did before that. we get into the topic today, because we're going to talk about how to get customer feedback that doesn't suck. That's the topic you asked to speak about, so we're going to get to that. Before we do, we're going to do a play along. I'm going to donate $5 per wrong answer. No, per right answer, because wrong answer, you could intentionally cheat. For right answer on metal metal band albums, I'll say the album. You'll tell me the metal band. If you get all five, I'll donate twenty five uh, of them. I'll twenty five dollars. Uh, if you get none of them, I'm twenty five dollars for me. No donations to uh, uh, to. We'll tell you what. For everyone I get wrong, I will donate. Holy cavoli! All right, all right. You donate to whomever you want. Uh, I'm going to uh, donate to our, our typical charity, the one we just donated the proceeds, some proceeds from our last book. Uh, sure. It's called Direct Relief. So here we go. Just five questions. We're going to do this really quickly, and then we're going to get into your topic, if that's okay. This is the, for those of you who are, who are playing along with us, this is the play along section on the bus with our co-pilot, James Dodkins. All right. So enough of those screens. Let's get back to it. Here are the questions. I'm going to give you classic metal albums and you're just going to tell me about the band that did it all right that's all just five classic metal albums easy enough for you dehumanizer God. there's um, one for you i think that's five bucks in your column i, I want to say because well, you're saying classic ones it's throwing me off a bit see i want to say fear factory but i don't know if that's correct or not uh it's black sabbath Oh, Black Sabbath forming in 68, splitting up in 2017. All right. I'm going to get crucified for that. How about Iron Fist? Whoops, hold on. Now my, my Alexa wants to play. Stop, Alexa. Alexa, who, who, who made the album Iron Fist? <laughs> What's it? Iron, Iron Fist. That's, what just, that's cheating. Iron Fist, the, the uh, metal man. Oh, did I did it. I'm going to say Iron Maiden just because it's in the name. Oh, I like that. It's Motorhead. Um, so formed in 75, split when Lemmy's died in 2015. All right. Screaming for Vengeance. Megadeth. Ooh, so close. So close. Judas Priest formed oh, in 69. Man. I think they're still playing from all I know. I'm, I'm being then, shown up so badly. Finally. And here's a hint. Guess. Yes. Guess one of your prior guesses. And business is good. As a matter of fact, here's a better hint. Guess your last guess. Yeah, is it Megadeth? There you go. 1983 formed by, uh, what is it, David Elfson, who's bassist. And Mustaine. Davis. I know Dave Mustaine. That's, yeah, they got kicked I, out of Metallica, I think. Yes, and I think yeah, he was still, the original Metallica guitarist. Yeah, and they're still kicking around. I think they uh, they were going to tour in, before COVID and... Yeah. And they're what you've got to realize is us millennials don't really consume albums anymore. We listen because I, I am a millennial. I'm on the cusp. I mean, I'm a weird, I'm in the weird bracket of where I hate millennials, but I technically am one. 
Oh, all right. So that's such an excuse. That sounds like a millennial excuse to me. Um, Let me let me give a question to the audience for them to play along. Either you can put it in the chat today or if you would rather just answer, send me an email giving me the answer. Here's the question. And I'll give you two questions. Um, I'll give you a copy of uh, Stronger Through Adversity for one and Airbnb for the other. The first question is for Stronger for Adversity book, if you're the first with the correct answer. This person should have been a guitarist. They followed Jimi Hendrix around quite literally during his tour in the late 1960s. However, they're better known for sitting down at a piano and a voice that will never be replaced. Um, Rock band lead singer. All right. And then the second one for a copy of the Airbnb way in 1997, the race to number one Christmas song was between the Spice Girls and the most unexpected group on the planet. Tell me who the group was that was chasing the number one position in 1997 uh, for the charts uh, right around Christmas. All right, that's uh, the, the play along for it. Let's get to the topic at hand now. Cool. Uh, and you owe 20 bucks and I owe five, and that's good. Uh, I like that. All right. Uh, we're going to get you out of here in a few minutes. So let's get you to answer my question. What are people doing wrong with getting customer feedback, and how do they make it so it doesn't suck? The, the, the thing is, it's like, so my question to you is, have you ever done a feedback survey? Oh, absolutely. Every day almost, it seems like. Have you ever, well, if you do them often, maybe this will skew the answer, but have you ever been contacted as a result of your answer on a feedback survey? No, (laughs) it did not skew your answer. Well, here's a different question. Have you ever enjoyed filling in a feedback survey? I don't think so. I mean, I try to help companies do better ones, so I hope I enjoyed the the iterations, but I don't even think we ever got to enjoy them. No. I think a lot of companies see customer feedback surveys as a way to measure an experience, but they forget that the survey in and of itself is an experience. And there's loads of reasons um, that I don't actually like feedback surveys at all, right? We won't get into that today, but it doesn't really matter how many good arguments I've got against doing customer feedback surveys at all you're all still going to do them. So my premise is, if you are going to do them, the least you could do is make them not suck. So there are some ideas and things that you can start to do to make your customer feedback surveys not suck so much. And I thought that would be a really cool thing to talk about today. Well, please just riff on this. You've got the lead. You've got the guitar solo. Go. Well, the first thing is, right, this is the first bit of advice Take it yourself. Once you've actually done this customer feedback survey, once you've created it, take it yourself. Your colleagues take it. Make people within your organization take it. Make your friends and family do it and get some feedback on it, some feedback on the feedback survey, which is a bit. But many times, if you go through it yourself, you start to realize, wow, this sucks. Maybe there's a way we could make it less sucky. And what I want you to look at and the questions I want you to ask while, while you're taking this survey for yourself is – is it relevant? Is it boring? Or is it stupid? Right. Ooh. So imagine, imagine a Venn diagram, right? A lot of people's customer feedback surveys sit right in the middle. They're not relevant. They're very boring and they're asking stupid questions. So you want to make sure you're not doing any of that. So while you're going through it, 
do that. So that's that's my first bit of advice. Take it yourself and ask those questions. Ouch. That's gonna hurt a lot of people. A lot of people's yeah, feelings. It probably is, hurt, but right? I haven't I haven't really got time to <laughs> skirt around it. <laughs> All right, forget their feelings. On to the second point in your uh, phenomenal, straightforward advice. <laughs> the, the second one is ask better questions. Um don't you know even ask someone in real life. You you won't bring your your partner a cup of tea or a cup of coffee and they go and you go, hey. On a scale of one to ten, would you recommend that cup of coffee? You you would you wouldn't do it. Um, maybe ask some more interesting questions that people might enjoy answering a little bit more. So there are some examples, things like if you were the CEO for a day, what would you do differently? Um, if oh my goodness, I just asked that question. I just want to tell you, I ask that question as a routine to customers uh, when I'm doing direct surveys with them. So I nice. love that you like my question, but I do use the NPS a lot. So. I'm, I'm Dude, I, the thing is, that. people are going to keep doing NPS because it's it's an industry benchmark, and they they're going to keep doing it. Um, but the, it doesn't mean to say you can't ask other questions as well to pad. Right. So if, that, if you were just really wonky like that in all your questions, that could be a problem. But using one of those so you have a benchmark is really yeah. Cool. All right, so I like it. Um, what what if you were the CEO for a day? All right. Yeah, or other questions like that that you can brainstorm. Other things, um, about personalize it. So we all get those ones. Dear valued customer, we could you could at least use a customer's name for a start. That is the, like the least, smallest effort you could make. But personalize it by looking at the customer's purchase history, looking at who they were served by. You could, you could pair, pair this with the good question. You could say, today, you were served by Mark, and you bought a pair of Air Max trainers from Nike and they were white and you bought them in the New York store, then ask the question. Let them know that you actually know about I them. I love that. No, yes, to tailor it, that you're really talking to them. Hey, I just want one quick check. Let me just get somebody in here who's been listening along and said, uh, about surveys tend to be too long is the main issue. I told, I took one yesterday, promise of $100, which never comes. Open-ended questions are the best results for people want to see immediately after. Okay, thanks, Joe, for saying that. Yeah. Uh, your reaction probably too long is a good bit of feedback, right? Yeah, so there, there was, there's one example I've got. It's from an airline. Um, let's call them the United Kingdom Airways. <laughs> you'll, you'll, you'll never guess who that is. <laughs> I mean, don't get me wrong. They set the expectation, but it was, it was going to be 12 minutes to take a survey. Like, unless taking surveys is your hobby, <laughs> it's going to be quite difficult to get someone to spend 12 minutes. Or if somebody has had an extremely bad experience or an extremely good one, maybe they will sit down and actually take the time. But then you get skewed results and it makes right. the data... I mean, there's some good you can use but if you if you're looking at the numbers which is what most companies do because they don't take the time or effort to actually look at the words that are said they're just putting them looking at the numbers and going hey guys 73 wow but then it's it skews that data um yeah, if yeah we got 23 percent of people who had more time on their hands this week than we did last week right uh yeah it, it yeah. doesn't tell you much i get that point so so run it by your friends make sure it doesn't suck it's relevant uh, it's not boring. Um, there was one other thing. Personalize it. Personalize it. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, don't, don't expect them to give you 12 minutes of their life if you really yeah. want a normal person. So one idea is don't use numbers. And I know that's a difficult thing for the NPS lovers out there, but it, 
We are forcing people to distill complex emotions down to a number on a predetermined scale. There is no quicker way to let your customers know that you don't really care about their feelings. And really, we use numbers because it's easier for us as a company. We're not doing it because it's necessarily better for the customer to be able to get their points and their feedback across. So that's not to say you can't have an internal number that you can tie to certain things. So, for instance, if you're using a liking scale or you're using three different types of smiley faces, you can give those a score that you can look at internally, but you present it to the customer in a different way. So that's one idea. Um, there's, there's one that I saw that was um, – it, it was actually, I've got it right in front of me. Let me tell you. It says, um, think for a moment about what defines you as a person and your personality – Using the slider, indicate the degree of match between how you and your personality and this uh, brand, um, like how, how close the match is. And this, it was a, it was out of a hundred percent. I don't even want to think like that. I mean, that would that would hurt my psyche to go there. Hey, look, you're out of time. We uh, we will do this again. You are just a delight. I have always felt like you are one of those rare. First off, you're an incredibly good guy. Uh, and our business is rich with them. You know that to be true. Yeah. And customer experience people are wanting to create great experiences for customers. They're in a competitive business landscape. But I've not seen a more collaborative group of colleagues. You are certainly among those. Um, if you haven't checked it out, I was part of your 12 Days of Christmas uh, jingle thing that's floating around LinkedIn. Uh, you were the brainchild behind that, the 12 Days of CXmas or whatever it was called. Um, but anyway, please check him out. I've got his website on the on the screen. Read his books anyway, particularly the ones that aren't written. No, I mean, just go out there and grab whatever he's got. Um, and if you're somebody who's looking to have someone present in your world, imagine how crazy exciting it would be to have James Sadkins on the stage. So, James, toodaloo. Thank we'll you so much, man. All right, I'm going to stick around for a second as I uh, send uh, James off into the great ether because uh, he had a hard stop coming in. And we had some technical problems getting him started. I know there were some glitches there, so I do apologize for that. It's just on kind of the technologies uh, from the UK to over here, I guess, uh, on his stream. So I do want to uh, acknowledge we had some winners for our last week's riddles, our last month's riddles. Uh, they were, what did the thief get for stealing the calendar? And the answer, correct answer we got back was 12 months. And then we asked somebody just a stupid question. I don't know why we did this. It sounded like the kind of survey questions that James is alluding to. But one of our riddles last month was uh, if Jenna wrote all the numbers from 300 to 400 on a piece of paper, how many times did she write the digit three? And uh, somebody actually either knew it or took the time to count all 120 times she wrote the digit three and got that right. So those, those uh, gifts are claimed. But we do have some questions on the table for you this particular month. So uh, we'd love for you to play along. Uh, if you didn't pop your answer into the chat correctly, uh, fear not, there is time. If you're listening to this on the podcast, uh, you can contact me at joseph at josephmichelli.com. Send me your correct answers to the uh, trivia questions or the, the, yeah, the quiz questions we post for you this particular uh, month. And uh, we will honor those with a copy of Stronger Through Adversity. If you can tell me who was the lead singer for an incredible incredible band one of the greatest singers i think of rock of all time he uh followed Jimi hendrix around for a long time thought he was going to play guitar ended up being in front of a piano and he created magic there often just sitting in front of the piano with the band um and he has passed 
uh, quite some time back. Anyway, so if you have the correct answer to that, stronger through adversity, just shoot me an email at joseph at joseph The other question, in 1997, the race for number one around Christmas time was between the Spice Girls and a band. Well, I don't even know if you could call them a band. A group of somethings. Uh, so anyway, go ahead and uh, send me the message if you have the correct answer to that. If you do know, we will send you out a copy of the Airbnb way. All right, that's the... Uh, activities. I hope you had fun on the bus today. Uh, I certainly did. Again, it doesn't get much better than James. I also hope you'll take his feedback to heart. Namely, you will consider your surveys. If you're doing customer surveys, I think it's a gift to get feedback from customers. And if customers will take the time to do your survey, it really can help you build your business because we're in the perception business, right? In the end of the day, it's not necessarily what we do. It's what people think what we do. And so we need to figure out how to make sure that we are delivering against that. Um, so I would strongly encourage you to take James's guidance today uh, and look at your surveys. Look at how much time you're asking the people. Look at them to say, is this boring? Is this is absolutely boring? Uh, can we get away from numbers and everything? Make sure we have plenty of open-ended questions that that are interesting, not just like squirrely. And then finally, I think it's a great point we need to emphasize is can we make it personal? Can I talk to you as a customer who has a relationship with me, crediting and acknowledging your relationship, or must I just treat you like you're a random, randomly selected member of the customer community? So enough of that. Thank you so, so much for your time today. We're uh, planning on doing these live streams now at least every month. So um, those of you who have been with us through this journey know that we got into this breakneck speed breakneck speed of doing them every week, right in COVID when people were available, I was available a lot. Uh, and now that the world is kind of opened and closed and opened and closed, uh, schedules have changed quite a bit. So it was impossible for us uh, to deliver on a weekly basis. So we've changed the, the cadence to at least once a month. There will be months we'll probably be able to pull off a couple of them based on our schedule. So please keep a lookout in your feed, whether that's Facebook or YouTube or uh, Twitter or wherever we're posting our acknowledgements of the live stream. Please just keep a lookout for uh, the dates when we plan to do it. We have some great people who've committed to us in 2022. We can't wait to bring them on board. Our goal is to make this a little more fun and still impart some information and wisdom. If you liked the podcast or if you like this feed, you can obviously link people back to it. If you want them to hear it on the go in the car, then you can listen to this entire thing uh, as a podcast and that appears uh, on any places you get your podcasts, Apple Music, for example, Spotify, and the like. So looking forward to having you along for the ride on the CX bus. I'm Joseph Michelli. We will catch you before this experience. Same, well, well, sometime next month. How about that? Have a very Merry Christmas to you and your family, and may you be safe uh, this holiday season.